Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Philip Lanosin. You're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 137 of Chasing Dreams. Today's episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thank you so much guys for all that you do to all of our patreon campaign supporters helping us to inspire equip and empower people to keep chasing their dreams through this podcast and other endeavors if you would like to learn more about our patreon campaign or donate yourself even if it's just a dollar a month which is absolutely incredible you can learn more at amyj21.com slash patreon now on to our guest guys today's guest is philip lanos who is a Los Angeles native, hyperactive and off the pensive. This actor, singer, songwriter, and podcast producer is best experienced in person. Due to his half Mexican, half French descent, he's had opportunities to appear on international Latino TV channels like Telemundo for an American Idol spinoff named Yo Soy El Artista. Philip has also appeared on MTV's Copycat show. In the podcasting world, he has worked on over 300 and more episodes with clients that have global organizations like entrepreneurs organizations all the way up to journalism greats like Cal Fussman and Martin Perlick and even YouTube influencers like Roger Burnley. You guys, I am so stoked that Philip could be on the show. We have been trying to get him on for a while Uh, between his schedule and mine. We've been going back and forth, but today is the day. So here it is. So check it out. We met last year uh podcast movement in california yeah Yeah. amazing time we hit it off um we owe our friendship to steven so shout out to steven hart for introducing us and you were a audio engineer who was at podcast movement you know helping out with podcasters uh you probably picked up some new clients there while you were there but that wasn't your passion i mean audio engineering might be but but podcasting wasn't. But, yeah. It, <laughs> so why show up at a podcast conference? My mentor, one of my mentors, I have a lot of angels in my life. Uh, one, one of my mentors, Joe Apfelbaum, he originally hired me to produce this podcast. It's how I even got started in this line of work. And he started telling me that I needed to branch out and meet other professionals in the industry to understand it better. Otherwise, I'll, I'll just be a freelancer for the rest of my life and not move forward into owning a business. And so me being the good student that I am, I test everything someone tells me to try until proven otherwise. So I looked at the price of the tickets and I was like, ah, oh, geez. Um, especially as a freelancer who was just starting out, I was like, oh, man, okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm about it. I say I'm about it. So I'm going to be about it. So 
I pulled out the credit card and I was like, this, this, this makes it work. Cause then I could just pay it off slowly and either it's going to be successful in one way where I either meet awesome people or I meet clients or, or it's going to be terrible, but I'll learn that this convention in particular isn't the convention that I should be going to one or the other. So I went for it. You know, I just moved back from New York. It'd been a couple months. I want to say about six months. So I given away my car and everything all the like i had nothing so i, I took a, a long mta train uh metropolitan train all the way over to anaheim and then another little bus all the way out to the convention which you know people flew away like flew like halfway across the country uh, and across the world so <laughs> it's not really that big of a whoop but for me i was like look at me i'm traveling and trying to make it go make make a go out of this uh so i showed up and uh and Steven actually, actually, now that I remember, was the one who helped me pull the trigger because I was thinking about it. And then I, had, I had contacted him and he's like, have you heard of this? And Stephen Hart, uh, to clarify, he's the one who was like, bro, you got to go. How can you not go? And I was like, you're right, man. Ugh. I mean, I was going to do it and I wasn't sure. He was like, you got to go. So I got to give him credit where credit's due, you know. Um, Thanks, and, Steven. And- <laughs> And so I ended up just pulling the trigger right then and there. And that, sure enough, I showed up and uh, the first person I ran into was Steven. When I, you know, I got there, I had the intention of saying hi to someone. And, um, and of course that led to us meeting, you know, and we started taking selfies almost right away, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> we did. I think we even helped him take some selfies of others, yeah. with other people. And then you and I were talking and I learned that, which is why it was interesting because we didn't talk really about podcasting, you and I. Oh, we talked no. about where your passion was, which was acting and singing. And you were getting ready to go to New York City to pursue yeah. that dream. And that's why I was like, I got to talk to this guy. He's <laughs> so passionate. He's going to go to New York City for this from California. But you were actually from New York City. So wasn't it a return uh, so, so, okay. So no, no, so I'm originally from Los Angeles, but I had moved to New York once already and uh, for different reasons, I just wanted to go live there. And so I did, and I landed a job like a, like a really, it's weird. I went there just to see what the city was like, and then ended up with a great, great, great. It's how I met my mentor, Joe Applebaum. Uh, I worked for his marketing agency and things were going really well that they were kind of grooming me to become CEO, like low key. Wow. Uh, yeah, which was weird because I was the most unqualified person when I started. <laughs> like, would you have would you have accepted it if it had come? Uh, you know, at the end, so that, that's that's the question. So I could look back and say, oh, because they offered me a really big offer, like like a like a big offer of a salary, and I walked away from it because I had never been my own boss. Like, I I didn't want to accept something like that until I had already gotten the fact that. I may have been my own boss at one point in my life out of my system. I'm just stubborn like that. So after working with them for a while and being groomed and having all that investment that they made in me, because it was an investment on their behalf, uh, an education and everything. And I, I like to think that I was able to pull my own weight around there to one degree or another, but I walked away from it. And there was so much connection that when I got back to LA, the person who helped make the introductions to get me started as a freelancer was the CEO of, of, of the company, Ajax Union, Joe Applebaum. And that he just became my mentor. And 
refuse to see me fail, you know? Mm-hmm. But, and so you went back to New York, right? Right, right, right. So, so how did yeah. that go? You chased your dreams in New York. Right, right. So right away, I started getting people asking me, wait a minute, you came to New York for acting? And, you know, in my head, I, I was like, yeah, the plan was I wouldn't have to drive. It'd give me the opportunity to focus because I'd be away from everything I love and know. So I'd really have to work hard to get to where I want to be. But then also I was freelancing 100% to make sure I could keep my schedule open. So it's not, I didn't pick up any job, uh, full, any full-time job or even part-time. So I spent most of my time just trying to find a way to make a living while like paying out for like a new photo shoot and these subscription services to try to get shot out, meeting with agencies. And at the end of it all, I realized that I wasn't doing the one and most important thing an actor should be doing, which is looking over scripts and and learning monologues and preparing for the times when auditions come. I had gone to classes, you know, I met a community of actors and found that I, I had a hard time actually clicking with the actors, mostly because I didn't real. I love acting as a, as a, as a, as a profession, um, as a craft, I, I'm not there yet because I don't get so involved in like, Oh, what is the character thinking for me? It's like, okay, what does the circumstance say that the character is feeling or the person is supposed to feel? And then how much of that is actually in my makeup as a person and whatever isn't in my makeup, whatever part, whatever part of my makeup doesn't match with that situation. I'll just remove that and play louder the parts of me that do match that. And it's like, it, I don't, I don't get all deep into the character for me. It's about performance. And so I found that I didn't have a lot to talk about with the actors, mostly because they're not going to discuss philosophy. So uh, I was really surprised. Uh, I don't know. I started asking why am I not making any time for these monologues? Like I'm getting, it's not just that I have to pay my bills. Cause if I really love this, I'll be making time. And then it turns out that, I had gone on this assumption that just because you enjoy something doesn't mean you're passionate about it. Uh, you could you could thoroughly enjoy something and, and not have the passion where, uh, I guess the best example would be, there's a poet who wrote a, a book named Letters to a Young Poet. And I think it's pronounced Rilke, R-I-L-K-E. The young poet asks Rilke, who's a senior poet who's successful, how do I become a great writer? And... Rilke responds with a series of letters, and in one of those letters, he, he gradually begins to unfold the fact that, look, if you can think of doing anything else other than writing, do that. And then he says, all great art comes from necessity. I write because I have to. I would die if I didn't. And so, I mean, slightly dramatic. He's a poet, so it's going to happen. But there's some truth to that. There is. like, I didn't have to act. I just... I was like, hey, that'd be a great way to make money. Uh, you know, I happen to be self-absorbed to some degree. So I was like, let's go. <laughs> but the more and more I thought about it thoroughly and dissected the situation, it's not that I talked myself out of the dream. It's that I realized that I that I had talked myself into a dream. Oh, wow. That, That's a different way of looking at it. Never thought about that. So when, yeah. you, when you've realized that, though, what do you do at that point? Right. So I put it to the test and, 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 uh, I get, I give it one more go where I, where I say, how far am I willing to really go to make this happen? I already moved out here. I'm committed to some apartment lease. Uh, am I happy 
how much of my happiness is dependent on doing, being able to achieve this degree, this goal, uh, this dream that I've set out. Uh, does this dream have goals to begin with that make it achievable? You know, I started getting more left brain uh, than, than right brain, if, if you want to look at it that way. And uh, the more and more I reviewed the situation, the more I realized, well, I'm not a fan of traditional media in general, uh, gatekeepers and all that, mostly because there are plenty of talented people out there who are, who, I mean, people who are better actors, better singers than me, better whatever than me, who will probably never see the light of day just because traditional media has always made it so that the few prosper in a big, big way, uh, while the many don't. And that's because you want to be able to control your investments and where the money flow goes. I mean, that's just standard business practice. Um, and I understand that, but in the world with YouTube, why bother? And all the people that I know, most of my network is in LA. So if I'm going to do this at all, I have to get back to LA, regroup and sincerely consider what I want to invest my time into because you can get money back no matter how much I spend, I can always get it back, but I cannot get the time back. So the experience wasn't necessarily a failure so much as like a realization when I moved to New York this time. So after that realization, because you're now, as of this recording, back in L.A., uh-huh. right? You come back, you've kind of regrouped. Do you think you've found a new direction or just a new way? Like, what do you right. do now that you're back? So now that I'm back, I uh, hooked up with my buddy. Like I said, he's letting me stay. And he also happens to run his own business. Uh, and I had helped him back in the day build it. And I mean, side by side, this guy worked seven days a week for, for five, six years, uh, no days off. And, 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 it, and it's proven to pay off because uh, I'm in the house that's proof of just how hard he worked. And he taught me a lot about work ethic. He's also one of my mentors, and especially in terms of mentality, mindset. He's just always so positive and believes everything's going to turn out okay. And I talked to him about, you know, I don't, I don't know where I want to go. I just know that I've, I've, I want to... I want to be a full blown adult in the sense that I don't want to have financial problems. I'm not saying I want to be a millionaire. I mean, who doesn't, right? But what I'm saying is I want to have stability in my life where if I want to buy something, I can, I can feasibly, reasonably get it. I want to have a, a nice car and, and a nice place to live. And if I want to, if I want to get a companion, like it's not that I'm settling down or I'm even thinking of that. What I'm saying is I want to have those boxes checked off. I want to have success across the board as opposed to just in one thing. Like how many buckets of life can I succeed across and how, whatever, whatever plan I'm, cause I'm still working on it to answer your question, whatever plan or strategy I come across, I want to make sure it hits as many buckets as possible. Um, because I, I don't think success is one dimensional and, uh, especially with the narrative that's being pushed out in today's world, especially like we talking Instagram famous or Twitter famous or whatever, div, whatever social network is popping up and whatever fame it provides you. I don't want to put out a narrative that success is one dimensional because you can be, I, I heard this somewhere. You can be a, you can be a f- uh, failure in life and a success in business. I mean, we're talking the bald person driving the the nice car, you know, or uh, who's like miserable and over, like just not, they clearly aren't enjoying it. They're upset all the time, high blood pressure, you know, like that, that's not what I want to be. And you have to understand and know yourself well enough to, 
to know what it is you're willing to sacrifice for what you want. And at the same time to know what you want so that you know what you have to sacrifice. So have you come to any realizations aside from that? Like, so are you working? What's the focus now? I mean, now that you know that you want to kind of find success across the board in different mediums, in different areas of your life, are you focusing on one or are we trying to kind of work Mm. on everything? Like what's, what's the approach when you kind of reset yourself like this? Yeah. Um, in, in a sense, I am going to approach it holistically. Uh, I do want to first get my, I, you know, I, I fell into some debt moving out. So my main objective right now, which wasn't like good news for a lot of friends, because unless people are going to come see me, un- sorry, unless people are going to come see me like where I'm at in Northridge, which is like the Valley of LA, uh, chances are slim. I'll, I'll maybe go once a month down to the actual city because I'm focused on removing the debt first and foremost for me. Uh, that's my main objective is, is, is coming back to zero, which I think is a good way to look at the metaphorically and symbolically what I've done in general. I've come back to zero. And, and once, once I can zero down in that time, I'll be looking, I will take a look at where it is my trajectory wants to go because I can feel it deep down inside that I have to make the, the right strategy I will have to create the best strategy layout because I don't, I'm tired of moving only on intuition and uh, there's plenty of logic available to me within my makeup that I should be making use of. If I have to lean towards it, I think music is definitely going to be a part of it. Uh, Music doesn't have to be a full-time thing, Uh, especially with the internet. I can, I can jump in and make some stuff happen uh, on the side as a songwriter. I don't have to be in front of the spotlight, even though it definitely gets me geared up. But there are times when I'm in the spotlight that I just want to step out of it for a second because I also have a private side of myself. I like to reflect, read. And so it's it's hard to say. It's clearly that I haven't thought it all the way through yet. And that's just because I just got back and I'm so focused on only paying off my debt financially because a, a big part of this goal of where I want to be and who I want to be is someone who is in control of his finances. I, I think the idea of a starving artist is is absurd. And uh, it's definitely not something that I think needs to happen if you can get the management of your cash flow into a realistic perspective. And you, know, you don't need to buy $5 lattes every day. Uh, you can have one once a week and it's still, it makes it even better if anything, because you look forward to it, right? Oh, absolutely. And you're not, slowing yourself down. I mean, even though realistically you might not be able to do everything you wanted to do before because you're focused on trying to eliminate the debt, you're still very active. I mean, you have yeah. active press presence on Instagram. You're learning the guitar, which <laughs> great progress, my friend. Great progress. You. you guys can follow him on Instagram. The you you are um the username uh, and yeah. all Philip D Philip Lanos. Yeah. That's all it is, is on the show notes page, you guys can get it there. Just go to Instagram.com slash Philip Lanos and your stories, your the post you're putting up, you know, you're not slowing down. So that's the thing I, I enjoy is oftentimes people just kind of see these stories and don't realize in the background what's happening. I mean, you're the perfect example of that because here you are focused on finding happiness across the board, working on becoming debt free. And yet we don't see a slowdown. And what you're doing, singing in the videos, the the learning guitar. I mean, does that get tiring? I mean, 
you don't have to, <laughs> you're still working on all this stuff and it doesn't, you can't tell at all that you were juggling 20 things essentially. Yeah. That's, that's really cool feedback to hear. Uh, here. I, th- I feel like I am slowing down, but you know, okay. So you know what it is, is I, I, I want to be vulnerable here. I actually, my own, my, my deepest insecurity is that I'm not good enough, you know, uh, go figure, uh, an actor with an insecurity that they're not good enough. Uh, but the truth is it, it, it expresses itself in me as overachieving and underachieving at the same time. Um, you know, there'll be days where I sleep longer than I want to, but then other days where I try to catch up for that. And so finding balance is something that I I really want to work at. So again, you're right that's exactly why I don't want to put out a narrative because on, it's easy to look on social media and see, and it's like, I do it on purpose. I'm not crafting the perfect account. No, I, don't think I, you are. <laughs> I just, I just, whenever I see an opportunity to share something that I, that that's a big part of my, I, I like to look at Instagram as a journal. Um, not necessarily Facebook. Cause every time I jump on Facebook, it turns political. It just, I, I can't even look at the feed anymore. Um, yes, I, I, I do understand that. <laughs> um, I'm much more of no, an. No, I want to hear that. <laughs> I'm much more of an Instagram person myself, which is yes. funny because they're both tied one and one. But I see the escape and the reason. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, I've always been an, an overachiever, and uh, it's my own. It's my own way of uh, telling myself I'll be okay. You know, uh, learning something has always has always allowed me to to offer people something of value. And, uh, it's very important to me that I make my life count because of the way I grew up, uh, because of the fact that I didn't really have my parents available to me, those kind of things. It really, it really forces me to, to, to dig deep. And I mean, I'm one of 18 siblings, you know, and, and I didn't have my parents around. So that opens up a whole different (laughs) subject. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my father, by the time I was eight years old, my father had had full blown, uh, ALS amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or Lou Gehrig's disease. Wow. Um, and it, you know, and he's, he's a, he's a, he's a straight immigrant from Mexico who was a construction worker and like a rocker who wanted to be a songwriter. Um, and all those dreams got shut down. I mean, he like complete vegetable by the time I was eight. And my mom wasn't really around until I was about eight when I was sent to live with her. So, and even then it was really confusing because throughout those eight years, as my dad was struggling with his health, I was passed around from home to home, like hearing, listening to my, my, my father's brothers argue with their wives about what are they going to do with another mouth to feed that isn't really their own and, you know, like you <laughs> can't stay here and that kind of, so this is why I want to be vulnerable because I don't want the social media narrative to, to, to work for people anymore. I want people to understand that there's nothing is one dimensional, you know? And the, f- the fact that I just want to find a place to call home and to, to have a home I could offer others is my dream. And that's sure. bigger than any stage, bigger than any stage. It definitely is a, a common theme in in our conversations that we've had that comfort the conversation we're having right now and why you seem to want to find something across the board, not just one medium sacrificing everything else. But I want to go back to something you said about how, you know, like all actors, you don't feel good enough. 
right? Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's funny because it's not just an acting thing. I think a lot of us feel like we're not good enough. And it's interesting because the question is good enough for who? Good enough for right. what? Because honestly, and this is my theme for this year, why people, you just got to be you. You are enough for everything because your story, regardless of what we think or regardless of what you think, to be honest, you are impacting others. The story of you and your vulnerability and going from L.A. to New York and back to L.A., but just trying to find your happiness, your line, right? Your place in this world. Yeah, That's it. You know, I feel like media, like you said, social media has its own narrative. I think Hollywood yeah. gives us a narrative, TV, entertainment, and not just Hollywood, Bollywood and, you know, yeah. All the media across the board, the traditional media, if you will, sets a standard. I mean, that's why for so long we've had thoughts about this is why people think lawyers make six figures. We don't, <laughs> guys. We don't, you know, but that we're let out. I guess the point is society defines what we are and it shouldn't. You define you. And I just love your story. And I don't want you to think you're not good enough because I think you are. But it doesn't matter what I think you should think that you are good enough with your story and your acting and your singing and what you're doing, but it only really matters if you believe it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, that's true. It's a struggle. It, it absolutely is. Cause have you had a moment where you thought something was really good? Have you had that moment where something you put out was successful in your mind? Uh, being, being proud of things is a, is, is a, is a constant, uh, challenge for me because of my overachieverness. I don't, I don't really take time to reflect. Okay. That was awesome. Let's go. All I ever see is, okay, how can I improve that? Uh, I, for me, it's, it's always subject to change and to improvement. It's just never a finished product. And I, and I have heard that there are two different types of, uh, artists, you know, the painters, uh, they're the ones that start off with an idea, an end end goal in mind, and mm-hmm. and then they craft away till they reach that. Or there are the other artists that work on one painting. It seems like their whole life, always improving it, but never actually reaching a masterpiece. And it's part of the reason why Picasso was able to succeed. Uh, this is what they say. I, I, I forgot. I think it was Robert Greene that may have said it. Uh, the dude who wrote. 48 laws of power and mastery and all that. I think it was in the book mastery where he talks about he had an end game in mind and that's what allowed him to prosper beyond his contemporaries. And I like to believe that a lot of my life I've been living kind of just, I thought I was living strategically, but it was really more like I, I had one masterpiece. And so that's why this, at this juncture in my life, I'm so keen on setting aside some time to really craft out a plan kind of like, the fortune 500 companies did or any company today where they have a 30 year plan or a five year plan, yeah. just have a plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's actually a good point. It's probably something a lot of us don't do. Cause you, you talk, you said it earlier that you talked yourself into a dream. Yeah. You know, and it, it's curious cause I never actually heard it framed that way, but I'm curious as to how many of us have talked ourselves into a dream that wasn't, our own dream. I mean, influences from other people, of sure, but just that we've taken it so far to talk ourselves into a dream. Yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. Um, I, I and and I'm just glad I caught it when I did. It's not again like I don't have any kind of. I don't wake up and need to act. I do not. 
I wake up and need to learn, need to improve. And that's a human thing. I don't wake up and need to sing, but I have noticed that when I'm hanging out and having a great time, I sing in order to express that happiness, Mm -hmm. which is as I don't act in order to express a happiness, you know? So there, there are clues. It's just like Spielberg when he said that uh, working in movies or films, it didn't yell at him. It sort of whispered gently. And, and I, I, I like that because it's, it's true. The Koreans have a saying that it's always darkest at the bottom of the lamp. And it's true. What's closest to us is right there telling us, hey, you know, gent- gentle and, and, and non-possessive. It just, it's there for you if you're willing to listen if that makes any sense. It does. It does. And the thing is, I think you're, you're trying to figure that out now and you're right. At least you realize that this is something you need to figure out because oftentimes how, how often do we run the hamster wheel? Not realizing (laughs) we need to get off because it's the wrong wheel we need to be on for, for what we're doing. But let me ask you in all of this, in all your figuring it out and talking yourself into the dream though, were you relatively happy with doing it? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so the reason I decided to go after the acting thing the way I did was because I had jumped into becoming a, a self-employed freelancer. Like, I just jumped into it. I walked away from like 80K a year or so and said, "Now nah, I'm going to be my own boss. And then I ended up living in an office in downtown Los Angeles in the jewelry district, an office with no windows, like 200 square feet. And I didn't even have my own bathroom. So I was showering at the gym and then I discovered co-working spaces. So I started uh, the co-working space, I had a, a shower. And, and so I, I was kind of living terribly. And I remember at one point I, I thought I had made a, a bad choice. I was like, oh my God, why did I do this? I walked away from security and safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was scared and I was like, how am I going to eat tomorrow? (laughs) Like I kind of just did this with no plan, but, uh, even though I had some dark moments, I eventually things clicked and I was able to start closing clients and being given the opportunity to help them get their own uh, voice as a podcast producer, which was what I had chose to go after. So one day I'm sitting in that lame office that wasn't fit for what it is I wanted as an end game in life. And I said, wait a minute, I just jumped off a bridge for something I'm not even passionate about. I said, at the very least, I have to do that for something I think I'm passionate about. Yeah. Just, just on the strength. And so that's why it was so sudden when everybody's like, what do you mean you're moving to New York? I said, yeah, I think, you know, I don't have a car now and I, I don't have the funds to get it. So I, I don't want to spend all my money just into a car. Cause, but if I leave, if I move to a city where I won't need a car, I can at least pull off six months to a year of an attempt of a, of a good go. And obviously I didn't realize it was going to be a self-discovery experience, but that's really what drove me. And so, although even in New York, I was like, Oh God, what am I doing? What's going on? Mm-hmm. I never stop. I don't know why I can't. I just can't. I don't know. I don't know why. I just can't. Even when I try to quit, somehow <laughs> life finds a way to force me to continue to improve and to get better. It's it's. I have so many angels in my life. I was able to come back to LA 
with hardly any effort. And that's one of the main reasons I'm happy I'm back because it's like, it's like life won't let me fail as long as I put in the work. Yeah. When you told me you were in LA, I was like, blink, blink, what? <laughs> and oddly enough, it was about the time I left Philadelphia for Baltimore. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. I loved my time in Philly. Uh, the people I met there were fantastic. There's awesome. There's something about coming home, though, that's yeah. rejuvenating. You know, um, you're around people that know you, you know where things are. There's a car wash down the street. I can't tell you how hard it is to find a car wash <laughs> in Philly sometimes. And it's just... You know, I, I feel this sense of renewal. And someone was saying, I haven't heard you talk about X in so long. And I'm like, I know, I don't, I don't know. I kind of let it go until I came back here and I was like, I want to keep at it. I want to keep doing it. I don't want to just drop it. And, yeah. you know, the, I'll, I'll talk more about that later, guys. But, you know, when, when that, when she said that to me, I was like, there is something about new starts, fresh beginnings, you know? And it can happen at any time, right? It sounds like you're doing that now. And yeah. I'm doing that now in, in Beemore. And so it's great. There's something about it. I love it. Yeah, it's a- absolutely. I, I can get behind that message 100%. Right. I mean, there's something about er- I, if you're the kind of person that has to go somewhere else to start anew, that's cool. You know, no regrets because you're always learning something. I think for, for Philip and yeah. for me, we rediscovered there's something about being back where we were, right? You don't appreciate it till it's gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I, I think we both kind of went through that and I'm happy to be back. Now, that being said, it wasn't perfect at home all the time. I mean, there are things I'm going to have to change, of course, and things yeah. I need to tweak about how I handle things, but it's great. And you feel the same way? Uh, yeah. There, there are two, two little, uh, quotes or sayings or let's call them memes that i think really coined my attitude towards being back home uh, number one is i'm tired of doing permanent things with temporary people oh and the other thing is it's, it's not about doing the the right things with the right people no it's about being able to do the wrong things with the right people you know what i mean so it, when i when i moved away what i realized was it's not about where you are, but again, we're talking buckets across the board of life, you know, the dynamics of life, if you will. Uh, I wanted to be around all the people that I loved again, because I found that unlike other people who seem to find energy and strength when they're challenged mm-hmm. in, in distress, I'm quite the opposite. When I meet resistance, it's not that I'm defeated. What it is, is I look at it and I go, why am I being resisted here? And for what for what purposes could I be could I be finding resistance in this direction? I'm the kind of person that prospers when things go well. Like I, I really know how to make the good even better. Uh, whenever I, it's weird, it's weird that I'm not in a relationship because when I was in a relationship, I would wake up early, excited, happy, uh, like or or anytime things are going well, I really get into a rhythm, like really good. And I, I probably anyone can say that I truly feel at home in positivity and in good things and in growth. So whenever I meet resistance, I pay close attention to it, not as a, an obsessive, Oh God, this obstacle is in the way so much as like, why I communicate with that with, with resistance and ask it and ask it to inform me of why I'm meeting it for, mm-hmm. for this time, you know? 
So yeah, I'm definitely happy to be home too. You're very insightful. I got to say, I mean, I think the self-awareness and insights that you're pulling, not everybody does it. Not everyone can figure it out. Some people go down the track and path a long time before they realize, you know, hey, I was on the wrong track. I should have been on the one to the left, so to speak. Mm. So let me ask you something before I let you go. What is something with all the experiences you've had, the lessons you've learned, what is something you would tell someone who says, hey, I want to chase my dream. What should I do? Oh, wow. Someone who has gone after every single whim that came across this little heart of mine, I, I would suggest do something real the minute you think that you want to do something to get instant feedback. Uh, feedback loops are everything to me. I don't like to ponder on things too long because I've noticed every time that I do before I make a move, I never make the move. Uh, it's kind of like dating, right? Where if you think about it for too long, then it's just going to sit there and build up into this monster that it's not this imaginary thing that you give, you know, thoughts are clearly a thing because to someone who's suffering from, let's say uh, a, a loss in the family or a heartbreak, that's a real form of mass within their mind. And so if you continually build something up to be this negative experience in your head where it's full of doubt and it's like you're adding, it's like you're making a crock pot and you're adding anxiety, you're adding doubt, spices, it's going to turn out to be this big old gourmet ball of you don't want it. And so the minute you got to, you have to, you have to be able to take advantage of those lightning strikes that are full, filled with positivity and hope and, and faith and the potential for something there. And when you act on that instead and not missing that window, I think it, it provides the soil and the seed, uh, an environment where it could potentially actually turn out. Even if you talked yourself into a dream, there's plenty of people who become famous and they didn't want to and they were working on something else, but that ended up working out for them. You know, that's not a bad way to end up because then at least you have the opportunity to move away. So you aim for, this, for, the, for the moon and you end up in the stars kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For so sure. yeah, do that. Do that. Act. There Act you go, it. guys. Act. You heard him. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, taking time in your morning early as it is to talk <laughs> to us. Uh, much appreciated. Wishing you all the best as you keep chasing your dream. Uh, Amy, it's a pleasure. And are you kidding me? It's you. Of course I would. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you for having me. And guys, that was Philip Lanos. I hope you learned something from him just as I did. I loved his story and I wish him nothing but the best as he continues to chase his dreams. You guys can learn more about Philip and find all the links we mentioned on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 137. That's episode 137. Until next time, dream chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.